Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language, writing history rules and cool stuff. Today, I have some cool stuff because I'm going to talk with Jade Wu about words that cause people to have negative physical reactions. Jade is the host of the Savvy Psychologist podcast at Quick and Dirty Tips, and I thought she'd be perfect to give us some insight on why people can have such strong feelings about words. Hi, Jade. It's good to talk to you today. Good to talk to you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, you bet. So when we first talked about doing a show about words that bother people, like physically bother them, mm-hmm. we thought it might be something called misphonia, which means hated sound. <laughs> but mm-hmm. then then you told me it was actually called word aversion. So what's the difference between those two things? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I actually thought those were the same thing too until I really looked into it. So misophonia is when someone has a major aversive reaction to sounds, usually bodily sounds like chewing, foot tapping, um, sometimes some types of voices, usually nasally voices. Um, and people can have this aversion to specific people making those noises. And usually the reaction is one of anger. And people even say that it's like a rage kind of feeling. Wow. Whereas for word aversion, it's specifically words that people are averse to, whether it's even just seeing the word or hearing the word said. Often people say, I can't even bring myself to say this word. And it's more of of like a physical, visceral disgust reaction rather than an anger reaction. Wow. I hope that makes sense as a as a difference between the two things. Yeah, so sort of anger versus disgust and that oh, I've never heard people mm-hmm. say they can't even say the word. That's interesting. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I asked people to tell me about words they had a negative physical reaction to, I got a lot of people instead telling me about their pet peeves. Mm-hmm. But but they also some of the people described them as physical reactions. So I actually couldn't quite tell. Here are two examples. Mm-hmm. Hey, Grandma Girl. I follow you and I love you for all that you do. The word that just makes my blood boil is conversate. I just want to call to give my tip that conversate is not a word, people. Hey, Minion, calling from California here. My dreaded word is veggie. I hate seeing it. I hate hearing it. I hate everything about it. 
And to cap it off, when vegetarians say, I'm veggie, that just makes my skin crawl. So what is happening when people say it makes my skin crawl or it makes my blood boil? I'm guessing it's a figure of speech and not an actual description of a physical sensation because the (laughs) the blood isn't actually boiling. I hope not. (laughs) But what Um, do you think? Yeah, that's so hard to say because I think there maybe is a blurry line between pet peeve and word aversion. The way I like to think about it is... If the word brings about this reaction, no matter the context, then maybe that's word aversion. Whereas if it's okay in some contexts, for example, I hear a lot of people say that they really don't like it when people say literally, when they don't mean literally, when they mean figuratively. Um, So that seems to me like a pet peeve. Mm Mm-hmm. And whereas if it's something that just feels kind of viscerally disgusting, uh, no matter what the context it's used in, then maybe that's more word aversion. But it's really hard to tell. There's there's not enough exhaustive research, I think, showing, you know, where the line is drawn between the two. Okay. Yeah, well, we can't really talk about word aversion without talking about the word moist. <laughs> it's it's right. the one that always <laughs> mm-hmm. comes up. Here's an example. I saw your prompt about words that give you a strong negative reaction, and I have two to share. One is the adjective moist. I think a lot of people that I've met have strong negative reactions to that word, and I've never been clear on exactly why it is, but it is really yucky to a lot of people. Uh huh. And so... Do you have any idea why, one, why so many people are bothered by the word moist? And then I was thinking, like, you might describe a cake as moist, and I don't Mm -hmm. know if that bothers people or not. And you were saying it kind of depended on the context. So I'm wondering if you know anything about that. Yeah, so moist. And by the way, apologies to all the listeners out there who really hate this word. Right, I sorry. I you're going to be hearing it a few times in this uh, podcast. We'll, we'll try not to say it too much, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, about 10 to 20 percent of people uh, who speak English, I guess, uh, really hate the word moist. <laughs> and um, and it's really hard to say why this, I mean, it, some some have speculated that, oh, it's because this word kind of reminds people of kind of icky sexual images. Um, but there are other words that are sexual and people aren't averse to those. And in fact, some people are really, uh, you know, have positive reactions to sexual words. So it it's probably not that. Um, And some other people have said, oh, maybe it's just a um, bandwagon. Like somehow it kind of caught on that people say they hate moist and now suddenly everybody hates that word. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's true either because just so many people have independently said that they hate this word. Yeah. And the, the very few studies that do exist show that people really do have a very quick sort of, um, visceral reaction to this word that we don't think it's just a social kind of bandwagon that people jump onto. Um, some other hypotheses, this this is one really interesting hypothesis that I have no idea about whether it's true or not, true or not. but uh, some speculate that speaking these words that are commonly averse to people uses the same facial muscles that mimic disgust facial experience 
Prussians. Hmm. Um, so, for example, the uh, I'm, I'm actually not familiar with this term, but zygomatic muscles. Hmm. Are you familiar with, with no. this? No, I'm not. Uh, apparently, these are the muscles in your face that help to make the ooh sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so people were speculating, well, so when something's really gross, you say, ew. And so if you need to say, ew, or if you use those muscles, then maybe that automatically triggers a disgust response. But there are also so many words like panties is another commonly averse word that don't use those muscles at all. So right. I'm not sure that it's quite that. Um, so I think the main debate is between is it a phonological issue or is it a semantic issue? Like, do people not like the sounds or do they not like the meaning attached to the word? Right. Well, one of the things I noticed in the calls is that a lot of the words did describe some kind of icky physical thing, like mm-hmm. like pus, for example. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. so when you were talking about the dis- triggering the disgust reaction, it did uh-huh. remind me of that because there are so many things where, you know, if you saw it, it might be disgusting. Um, yeah, and so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I actually went and uh, sort of took a very informal survey. And here are some of the, so apologies in advance if you're averse to all of these words, but (laughs) some of the very common ones I found were polyp, boil, uh, pus, which you already mentioned, slurp, (laughs) gut, uh, belly. Uh, Let's see. There were, gelatinous was also Mm. another one. Saliva, sputum, spit, Hmm. uh, puke, mucus, chunk. So these are all pretty physical, bodily function, bodily fluid type of words. But there were also others that were not related to that, like slacks, luggage. Hmm. Those were, oh, oh, blouse, uh, cloying, although that could be related to something bodily related if it's taste related, um, and ointment. Hmm. So those were the common ones that I was able to find. Do researchers know anything about the kinds of people who get so bugged or disgusted by these words? So so apparently the prototypical moist-averse person is a young neurotic female who is well-educated and somewhat disgusted by bodily function. Huh. So, <laughs> so apparently younger people... Uh, people who are more prone to anxiety, uh, female, and people who are more educated. So I wonder I if that means. About. I wonder if that means you can grow out of it. Huh? Maybe. Yeah. And this, by the way, also largely overlaps with the profile of the prototypical prototypical person that's most sensitive to disgust. So everything except for the high education part, um, young neurotic females tend to be more. Uh, sensitive to disgust than other profiles. And how is neurotic defined? Neurotic, so this was pulled from uh, one of five main personality traits, uh, usually called the big five. They are, um, you can use the acronym OCEAN, it's openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. So neuroticism, it just basically means how prone someone is to anxiety. And there's a little bit of rigidity in there. There's a little bit of proneness to bad moods and depression in there. Um, So it's kind of an overall capture of proneness to negative feelings. Okay, so then that might make sense that they also would 
feel more negatively about words. Yeah, that could be. Oh, that's super interesting. <laughs> hmm Yeah. I wonder, I, I, I bet you don't know the answer to this, but I wonder, what about in other languages? Are these words, do people who speak languages other than English also find these same words disgusting or troublesome because they would sound different in other right. languages? Yeah, that's. I think that is the question to ask. I think that would pretty much answer uh, the, the debate, but I don't know the answer to that. I don't, I couldn't find anything on that. And th- that was one of my first questions too, is that, you know, do other, do people who speak other languages have similar reactions? And also if someone learns language as a second language, which I did, my first language is Chinese mm-hmm. and I learned English starting at the age of 11. And, you know, do we ESL speakers have any of these same reactions? I personally don't, but I don't know if that's because English is my second language or just because I'm one of those lucky people who don't have word aversion. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Maybe someone will study it someday. Yeah, that would be so interesting. Yeah. Another thing that came up is sometimes words seemed to bother people because they had negative or sad associations. Here's an example of one of those calls I got. Hi, Mignon. A word I really hate is the word widower. My wife recently passed away. And there's so many cool stories about the merry widow and the black widow and widow this and rich widow that. And widower is such an ugly, awful word. And I hate it when people ask me my marital status. So that's my new one. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. So is that a common reaction, too, to suddenly be bothered by words that didn't bother you before when you're in a new sad situation or or maybe traumatic situation? Yeah, I don't—I'm not sure. I mean, I fully believe that words like widower could be very triggering for some people and, and very unpleasant for understandable reasons. I don't know if it's quite the same mechanism as the other type of word aversion that we were talking about. Um, Because, for example, there's a study that focuses on the word moist and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 10 to 20 percent of the people in the set of studies that are averse to it, they pretty much all said that they have always had this aversion to this word since childhood, since as long as they could remember. So it seems like it's not something that's learned or triggered by a certain event. And it also seems like people are, are a little bit dumbfounded by why they are averse to certain words. So if you can sort of pinpoint, oh, this is something that happened in my life. And after this happened, I developed an aversion to this word for this very understandable reason, then that may not be the same type of word aversion as, as with moist. Mm-hmm. You know, I was wondering, you were talking about studies that people had done with these words, and how are they measuring aversion? Is it a physical thing? Are they measuring skin conductance or yeah, brain waves or something like that? How are they measuring? Yeah, I wish they were, because that would be really, really interesting. Um, but unfortunately, there are only three studies that I could find on word aversion, and two of them are done by the same group. So really, it's two groups of researchers that have ever studied this that I could find. And they both used uh, really cool experimental designs, but it they all exclusively, exclusively relied on people to self-report level of aversion. 
But they did use some really cool techniques to try to piece together what word aversion is all about. So, for example, one study, super interesting, they also, so they focus on the M word. Um, <laughs> and so what they did was had people rate their uh, level of aversion to this word. And then they also made up non uh, or nonsense words that sound similar, like croist, C-R-O-I-S-T. Huh. Or they made up nonsense words that do not sound like the M word, like fluffle. And they had people rate the level of attractiveness or aversiveness of these made-up words. So, and they found that croist was more aversive than fluffle. So that hmm. would seem to support the hypothesis that it's something phonological going on, right? That there's something about the oist sound that people really don't like. Um, but on the other hand, there's also some contradictory data, too, from one of the other studies, which showed that, you know, it's actually about the semantics. It's about the meaning of the word, um, where people rated also wet and damp as also very aversive. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's really hard to say what exactly it's about. These two studies seem to show different things. Are there any studies that show that people like certain sounds? Like maybe hmm. the M sound in mom or, you know, something like that? I couldn't find anything on that. My intuition would say that there are words people like more. Um, for example, when I said fluffle, that just sounded better than croist, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, don't know if, uh -huh. I don't know if that's just me or if I'm imagining it, but there was something really intuitive about that. And I've also heard someone mention the, uh, the phrase cellar door. Just oh, right. sounds really nice to them. And I agree with that, but I can't put my finger on why. And I couldn't, I didn't see any studies on that to, to really systematically figure out why that is. Right. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, I think that's what got us started on this whole topic is we, yeah. we both mm -hmm. had seen that cellar door um, yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. And part of me wonders too. You know, am I biased because I'm researching this topic and I know what I'm supposed to look for? Because also in one of these studies, there was some evidence that you can sort of learn to be aversive. I know earlier I said that you can't really learn to be aversive, but it seems like you can be manipulated at least a little bit. So in the uh, study about the M word, um, they in one of the sub studies, they showed participants either a video of people talking up why the word is so aversive and, you know, their theories about why it's so aversive. So they're very much primed to think that it's aversive. So then, th then they rated how, what, you know, how they feel about the word. Another group of participants watched a video about baking cakes and, and mm -hmm. then they, they rated the, how aversive the word is. And they did actually find a difference. The people who were primed to think that the word was unpleasant did rate it as more aversive, and they even said that they use it less in real life than people who watch the cake baking video. So there is some, um, I think, room for suggestion or room for manip manipulation, although it still does seem that there is a pretty clear difference between feeling averse versus not feeling averse to a word, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I want to end with probably the most interesting call I got when I asked people to tell me about the words that bothered them. This one was from a librarian, and she had a problem with a lot of words. But the, at the end, she says um, she doesn't even like the look of a certain word. So listen to this mm-hmm. one. Hi, Mignon. My name's Jane Faulkner. I'm a librarian out at UC Santa Barbara, and I'm also an editor. So you are one of my uh, most listened to podcasts. I love your comments on everything, especially grammar. Anyway, I just saw your post about visceral or words that uh, give us a visceral negative reaction. And I'll keep mine short, even though it's much longer than this, but these are my biggies. Cake especially when you use like a cake of soap, rice, salt, belly, panties, you're going to get that a lot, and pop. I don't like that when it's used as a verb, like pop it in the oven. Uh, Custard and custody. And visually, I don't like the word tea for some reason, T-E-A. Anyway, list goes on, but there you go. So what are your thoughts about that? Can you say anything about not liking even the look of the word tea? Yeah, I don't know. That is so interesting. That, I think, is a little bit more rare. Uh, although I did come across one respondent to a New York, Time, uh, New York Times article about word aversion. The article said, oh, go ahead and tell us, you know, what words you find averse. And one respondent actually used the little star sign, the the asterisk sign, um, to spell out a word or to, I guess, replace a word that they couldn't even bring themselves to type out. And so obviously they weren't physically saying it when they were typing it. They didn't have to hear it said back to them. They just had to type it out on the keyboard and they couldn't even do that. So (laughs) I find that so interesting that that maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe that supports the idea that it's something phonological about the word um, that really just triggers like the shape of the word, the sound of the word. When you see it spelled out, maybe you automatically imagine what it sounds like. And maybe that's what really drives this sense of, oh, I can't even look at it. Wow. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, we I, we try to focus so much on the practical aspects and the rules, but people get really emotional about words, too. So Absolutely. I think this has been really interesting. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's really surprising sometimes to me how much emotion is brought about by words, especially negative emotions like aggravation or anger or disgust. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of surprised by how many people were really, um, like had really strong emotional reactions to words, whether it was because it was a pet peeve or a a more traditional word aversion. Right. Well, thank you. That was Jade Wu, the host of the Savvy Psychologist podcast. If you liked our discussion, you should definitely listen to more from her. Anywhere you find my podcast, you can find hers. Um, Thanks for being with me here today, Jade. I really appreciate it. Of course. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. You bet. Bye. Bye. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find me and The Savvy Psychologist at the home of my podcast network, quickanddirtytips.com. And remember to check out my new video course on LinkedIn Learning. I worked with their experts in educational video design to choose what I think are my 17 best tips to help you write better fast, and then to turn those tips into easy, pleasant videos. The whole set is only 40 minutes, and both the editors I worked with said that even just reading the scripts helped them start writing better right away. 
If you don't already have access to LinkedIn Learning, they have a 30-day free trial, so there's no reason not to watch it. Go to LinkedIn Learning, get yourself signed up if you aren't already, and then search for my course, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. Thank you to my producer, Nathan Sams, and thank you to all the callers who saw my question on Twitter and shared your stories. That's all. Thanks for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.